Dear friend, I want to welcome you to our podcast and to those who listen to us through SoundCloud and through the website. I will soon uh, put you through to listen to the message that I've preached today titled The Unwanted Gift. But I thought that I want to quickly have a talk to you one-on-one and thank you personally for those many people who pray for us, for the people all over the world who listen to our messages. I don't know you, I can't see you, but I see that you follow us. And I just want to say, may God bless you. I've got a scripture verse here in Psalm 100 that I want to read read for you, and may God bless you with that. It says in Psalm 100 verse 4, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. Let me read verse 5 again. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. May his mercy and truth endure in your life, in your family's life. May God bless you. May this festive season this year, in 2017, may it be full of grace and mercy from him. And may his goodness show in your life. Thank you again for listening. I will now uh, put you over to listen to the sermon that I've preached today. God bless.
Uh, I want to talk to you today about the unwanted gift. The unwanted gift. This time of the year, people are getting gifts for everybody, isn't it? It's a time to give presents out. And uh, if you think about it, you generally know what to buy for people, if you know them. You generally know that. It becomes harder and tougher because every year you can't buy the same thing. But generally, if you grow up with people and if you know people in families, you know what their wants is and what their needs is. And during the year, they say, oh, I would love that and I want that and I want this. Sometimes it's too pricey to buy them. And sometimes, you know, you think they might not, they might want it, but they don't need it. And that is also a thing that influences people's choices for gifts. But so often, we sometimes buy the wrong gift for people. And it becomes an unwanted gift. Who remembers back in the days what the most famous gift was for somebody that you don't know? Handkerchiefs. Remember that? I remember growing up as a young boy, I've had a pile of those things. Never used one of them. Never used one of them. I don't know what happened with them. But every time when Christmas comes around or when it's your birthday comes around, my aunties and my uncles, they come and they turn up and they come and you can see the familiar packing of a handkerchief. You, you remember that. And as they walk up and it's wrapped in and you go, oh, it's a gift. You get so excited about it. But you know, oh, you know what? It's handkerchiefs again. And who remember the socks? You know, handkerchiefs and socks. Who could think that you can give somebody socks for a gift? Back in the day, it was a big thing. And dare I say in church, underwear, undies. Who would have thought about that? Who gives that to somebody? The unwanted gift sometimes. I was reading an article just, you know, in preparation for this in the New Zealand Herald. It says, despite digging deep and splashing a reported 620 million on Christmas gifts, 620, this is Australia, by the way. In the last four to five weeks, 600 million Australian dollars was spent on Christmas gifts. And this article says, despite splashing 620 million on Christmas gifts, new research by Gumtree, who knows Gumtree? That's where you sell stuff off, you know. It's like, uh, I don't like it anymore, and you put it on there for a bargain, and people buy it from there. So Gumtree has done a research on this, and they, Gumtree shows as many as 7 out of 10 Australians will be disappointed after, after looking at the gifts, paper wrapping, and opening it up. 7 out of 10. That means that somebody sitting here today... Either this evening or tomorrow we'll unwrap something because we are more than 10 people here and you'll go, yeah, oh, thank you, and you'll be polite. I was reading another article of this man and he was writing this about uh, unwanted gifts and he was writing about getting something for his wife. And there was this bicycle, a push bike. And he thought, man, I'm going to get this for my wife. So he planned, he planned everything through for her not to see. He even started, because you know how it is for, for husband and wives, they, they look at the bank accounts, don't they? Oh, I know what he's going to buy me, because I can just see it on the statement. Follow the statement. 
But he cleverly, he says, drawed some money here and there, here and there, took it out $10 here, until he had enough cash, so that she doesn't pick up what he's going to buy. And when he had enough cash, he walked into the store and he bought this push bike. You know, she's going to love this gift. And he cleverly bought it into the house and hidden it in the garage. Paper wrapped the whole bike, he says. Paper, do you see how big a bike is? A lot of wrapping and he wrapped the whole bike and uh, she walked in by night and she says, I hope you didn't buy me a push bike. Where do you go? <laughs> He's got the whole thing in the garage. So it's fair to say that a lot of people these days will get unwanted gifts. And you know where it's going to end up? On Gumtree. Watch out. After tomorrow, go to Gumtree. I'm not an advertising, they don't pay me for advertising, but just if you want some great bargains of brand new products, you'll find it on Gumtree. I bet they're going to get a stream. It's not Amazon, it's Gumtree, okay? Go and see on Gumtree and you will find a lot of unwanted gifts there. And this is so. I mean, it happened to all of us that from time to time these things happen. Now I want to talk to you about the gift of this world. What is the gift of this world? Jesus Christ. Amen. So open up in your Bibles, if you would, with me this morning in Luke chapter 1. I'm going to read through this passage. And by the way, let me just say that tomorrow is not the actual birthday of Jesus Christ. It's not. The birth of Jesus Christ did not happen on the 25th of December. We all know that. It's a different time in the year. But... People are celebrating the 25th of December as the birth of Christ. And you know what? I say good then, if that message goes out to the world. Because everybody in the world knows it's about Christ. Everybody. The Roman Catholic knows that. You know, even the Muslims knows that. They reject it, but they know it. Even the left-wing people or the liberals knows that, and they want to ban it now. But people know it's about Christ. Just, it's not Christmas as tomorrow. And also, let me just put it out there, that we are not celebrating Christmas. You know what Christmas is? It's a Roman Catholic term. It's Christ and Mass. Mass has got to do with death. So it's Christ's death. But still, people grabbed onto the name Christmas, and they celebrate Christ. What I say we as a church celebrate and think about is the birth of Christ. Jesus didn't say in the Bible, remember my birth, by the way, did he? No, he said, remember the table of the Lord. But friends, if the message of Christ is going to go out to the world, and maybe my prayer is that one person gets saved this time of the year because of that message, praise the Lord for that. So let me read to you the actual happenings that happened in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, he says, In the sixth month of the angel of Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed. Do you know what that means? It was very serious back in the day, a betrothal, to be engaged. In the Jewish custom back in the day, if you are betrothed to somebody, it means like marriage. It means that you are actually, it's, it's not married yet officially, but it means that if you get betrothed, you belong to that man and that woman belong to that, that, that girl. 
It's not like today when it's watered down. People just didn't live together. They actually lived in a covenant relationship with God. So here we find the virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. How wonderful is it to hear those words. The Lord is with you. We're talking about a dark world, but know this this morning, friend. The Lord is with you. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it good to go through life to know that the Lord is with you? And here he appears to her, but she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. There is such a great message there, friends. If you look at this, he says the Lord is with you and you found favor with God. Let me tell you just right up front that mankind is born with an emptiness inside of him. And you know what we're seeking from birth? We are seeking favor with God. You say, but I couldn't remember when I grew up seeking God all the time. Yes, you can't remember it, but your actions tell me that you are looking for it. The troubled souls out there in the world are seeking favor with God. They just don't know it. We have to tell them that. Favor with God brings you peace. And here we find this virgin who found the favor with God. In verse 31 he says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And may I say, yet to come. Yes, it's still coming. And the reign of the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom, there will be no end. Now Mary said to the angel, how will this be? Because I'm a virgin. And I don't know if you've noticed, a virgin cannot become pregnant. How can this be? It has to be a miracle. I remember years ago I was reading some uh, person who's trying to explain that a virgin can become pregnant. And, and he was trying to take this away, the deity away from Christ, by trying to explain it. I stand on what the word says. And the angel answered her and says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it, not be, according, uh, let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Two miracles. One, the virgin will bear a child. Two, the old age of Elizabeth with a barren womb will also bear a child. And we know that she bore John the Baptist. Two great figures in our Bible. John the Baptist, the forerunner for Christ, and then Jesus Christ Himself, the Son of God. Friends, we should read this passage to our children as they grow up. 
more and more. We should read these passages that I've just read to you now. We should read it at least two or three times a year to our little ones so that they understand that the Savior did come to this world and lived amongst us. Now let's see how it happens. In Luke chapter 2 verse 1, he says, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Aquarius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house of the lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. Now we see, as the, as the angel said, he was betrothed to her still, but she was with child. So the miracle happened. The virgin was with child. This is critical to our faith. Let nobody take it away from us. She was still betrothed. You see that? They were not married. And let me just say, let me just say, it's not like in our days where people live together before they get married and they have sexual relations. That didn't happen that way. They were waiting for the marriage day. So this is truly, truly a miracle. And in verse 6 it says, And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, praise the Lord. And she gave birth to her firstborn son. It's important that you see that it was her firstborn son. There was no other children before Jesus for Mary. It's her firstborn. And she wrapped him in a swaddling of cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. So that's the gift given to us. Our gift was born for us. There should be joy in the world. We know what happened after this. We know about the shepherds. We know about the angels. We know how they appeared to them and said, your Savior was born. We know how they followed the star, how they came to Jesus. And let me say, when you look at the nativity scenes these days, there were no wise men there when he was born in the manger. They were not there. It was, it was the shepherds who came. Don't be deceived. No, no. The, the magi, the three magi came later on when Jesus was nearly two years old. So this is where they appear. But the big news here, my friend, is our gift was born to us. And you know what the whole world should do? They should sing joy to the world. The Savior is born. And let me just correct something in that carol. You know what, what it says in the next verse? He says, let the earth, let the earth rejoice. And then he says, let her sing praises. This earth is not her. It's not female and God is male. It is let the earth, it's him rejoice. The gift was born to us and we should say hallelujah. Jesus Christ, our Savior. Do you know that he himself calls himself a gift to the world? You remember in John chapter 4, when he went to the well the lady at the well and he had this conversation with her when she came out and he was sitting at Jacob's well and he asked her to give him water, the conversation that happened there. Look what he told her in John 4 verse 10. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God. I want to ask you this morning, do you know the gift of God? 
Let me ask you another question. Have you got the gift of God? He says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Here, Jesus is saying that he is the gift to the world. He's that gift. Not only that, in Romans, uh, Paul writes, he says in Romans 5 verse 14, but death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the transgression of Adam. You see, everybody is dead. Although you are alive, walking around in a body, you're a walk, walking corpse. Who is the type of him who was to come? Verse 15, but the free gift shall not be also like the offense. The free gift shall not be like the offense. You see, we are all sitting in a land of a shadow of death. And then the light appeared to us. The gift from heaven is Jesus. And then he says, for if by the offense of one or many died, much more the grace of God and the gift in grace, which is the one man, Jesus Christ, abandoned to many. And the free gift shall not be as one having sinned, for indeed the judgment was of one condemnation. But the free gift is of many offenses to justification. So here Paul says to us that Jesus Christ is our gift. Is our gift. Romans chapter 8 verse 23, remember that, 6 verse 23, he says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is what? Eternal life. Through whom did that eternal life come? Come on, tell me. Through Jesus. He's the gift for the world. He's our Lord. Not only is that the only gift, Remember when Jesus turned to his disciples? He said, I'll pray the Father and he'll send you another comforter. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is also a gift? Acts chapter 2 verse 38. Peter says this. He says, then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Two gifts. Jesus and the Holy Spirit. But do you think the world wants this gift? No, no, no. I think they want to put this gift on Gumtree. The, the world don't want this gift. This was supposed to be the wanted gift for the whole world. Joy to the world. But they don't want him. So I've made up a quick list of people who don't want him. Let me show you. First of all, the rejected gift of God by King Herod. King Herod was the king at the time when Jesus was born. And one would have think that this king, looking over his people as a king, would say, what a wonderful gift for the people. This gift will give the people peace. I don't have to work hard to be a king anymore. I can submit to Christ and give him the kingship. That is what he's supposed to do. But in Matthew chapter 2, verse 7, we read the following. He says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star appeared. You see, what happened before this is these magi, they came to, to, to King Herod, three of them. They said, We are looking for the king. And, and, and he goes, I'm the king. They go, No, no, no. There's a king born. To you and me, it's the gift, the gift of life. And he goes, 
Go and search for him, because if you find him, come and tell me, so that I can also go and bow and, and give him honor. Do you think that's what he wanted to do? No, because of selfish ambition in his heart. He wanted to reject the king. He wanted to reject the gift of God, and he did. We see it right here. He got these men secretly. You see that? He got his wise men secretly, and he said to them, from then, what time the star appeared, and he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me the word that I too may come and worship him. Yeah, right. Duh. I don't think so, Tim. Within his heart, there was darkness boiling and broiling. He didn't want this gift, but this gift for him is an offense. Similar to today. People don't want this king because it's, a, it's, it's an offense to them. So let's see in Matthew chapter 2, 16 what happens. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, because they came to him and they didn't go back to King Herod. They went back to their land. They offered their, their offerings to Jesus Christ, the gifts. When he realized this, that he'd been tricked by them, he became furious. You see, he rejected the gift from God. And he sent and he killed all the male children in Bethlehem and all that region who were two years old, under according to the time that he had certain from the wise men. You see, this is why I say, in your nativity scene, these wise men didn't come to Jesus when he was in a manger. They came to the house of Jesus when he was nearly two years old because there's time that elapsed. But he rejected, he rejected the gift. My friend, let me tell you one thing this morning. If King Herod had a second chance, I don't think he would have rejected this gift anymore. Now he knows. Oh, he knows. You bet you. Where he is now... I think if he could stand here this morning, King Herod, in all of his glory, roped in his kingship, and he stand in front of these people here, you know what I think his message will be to you this morning? He would say to you, please do not reject the gift of God. Don't do the same that I did. I killed so many. The blood of many young children is upon my hands because of my selfishness. I rejected the gift from God. It was an unwanted gift to me. Think about that. King Herod rejected him. But not only did he reject, what about the chief priests? We fast forward now a little bit further to Matthew chapter 21. And when he had entered the temple, this is Jesus, the chief priests. Now let me tell you about the chief priests. They were supposed to know the scriptures, yeah? They knew the Old Testament, the shadow. They had all of the prophecies about the gift to come. They were supposed to know more than the, the ordinary people. They studied the Scriptures day and night, day and night. It was their work. It was their passion, so they say. And when He entered the temple, the gift was right there in front of them. 
betrayed before them the Son of God, the Son of Man. Here in Matthew 21, 23, see what they do. The chief priest and the elders of the people came up to him as he was teaching and said, By what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Look, I've only taken one out. From the start, they were against him. They rejected the gift from God. They were the chief priest of the people, it says. Look, at, look, it says of the people. They were representing the people. Matthew 26 shows us, verse 3, Then the chief priest and the elders and the people gathered in the place of the high priest, whose name was Caiaphas. Oh, we're going to get to Caiaphas, but look at this now in verse 4. And they plotted together in order to arrest Jesus by stealth, that means quietly, and kill him. You know why? Because Jesus was the unwanted gift. They didn't want that gift. You know what they want? They wanted money and fame. Not like King Herod. Remember, King Herod was all about himself, kingship. But these men, oh, they wanted to have fame. They were so afraid that Jesus is going to take their followers away. And those followers give them a lot of mullah money. These days you see them all over. You see people preaching and making Jesus Christ a product, produce. We're selling Jesus, one said. They are also rejecting the gift. They wanted to kill him. But they said not during the feast, let there be an uproar amongst the people. The very people who they present here were going to go up against them. So they sneakily and by stealth came and trying to kill them. Friends, I'm telling you, if the chief priest would be standing in front of this people, today they know. They know now. You know what they would say to you and me? They will say, please, people, because they were representing the people, they would say, please do not reject the gift from heaven. It was not only the chief priest, but it was also Judas Iscariot. Do you remember that one? Oh, listen to this one. This man chosen by Jesus, picked, handpicked, you can say, by Jesus. You know what, friend? When he come through his Holy Spirit in our day, he handpicked each and every one who's sitting in this building. Did you know that? He handpicked you like he handpicked Judas Iscariot. This man went with Jesus. He saw Jesus praying. He saw Jesus preaching. He had no excuse. For him, the gift came. But in Matthew chapter 26, verse 14, we read about this man who spent time with Jesus. He says, Then one of the twelve, whose name was Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, what will you give me if I deliver him over to you? You see what he did? He went to back in the day's gum tree. He says, how much can you give me for this? As you're going to see in the next week or so, gum tree gets all of these unwanted gifts for a bargain. He was bargaining Jesus off. He was bargaining off this gift. The gift of eternal life. He's bargaining off. He says, how much will you give me? I don't want this gift. How much will you give me if I deliver him over to you? And they paid him 30 pieces of silver. And I say, what a shame. What a shame that the gift from God be sold for 30 sickles of silver. 
Oh yes, come and tell me it was a lot of money back in the day, but he doesn't care. No money on the face of this planet will be enough to pay for that gift. Why? Because you cannot pay for that gift. It's freely given. It's freely given. Here he pays him off 30 sickles. And from that moment he sought the opportunity to betray him. Give him away. Who's this Jesus? I don't want him. It's a gift that I didn't ask for. It's a gift that I don't want. We see that graphically how it plays out in Matthew 26, 47. While he was still speaking, Judas came. This is Jesus. And one of the twelve with him and with a great crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man, sees him, and he came to Jesus. A kiss was supposed to bring over joy. This is the kiss of a betrayer. Greetings, Rabbi, he said, and he kissed him. Jesus said to him, friend, do what you come to do. Then he came and laid hands on him and seized him. Oh, if Judas Iscariot could stand here this morning next to me, and he could look over these faces and he could look you in the eye, this man committed suicide because he realized he gave the gift of life away. If he could stand here this morning and I can say, Judas, why did you do it? You know what Judas would have said? He would have said to you and me this morning, I'm so certain about it as I'm standing here. He would say to you with tears running down his face, he would say, please do not give the gift of God away. Don't sell him out. Do not do that. He came to save the world. He came to save me, Judas Iscariot, but I sold him for 30 sickles of silver. I don't know what he did with that sickles of silver. He couldn't buy land. He drank himself. I don't know. But in the inflation of what money does, it's worth nothing. Zilts. He wasn't the only one, although that's terrible. Caiaphas, the high priest. This man, high priest, was supposed to be that link between heaven and earth. You know in the Old Testament the role that the high priest played? Uh, the, the role that the high priest play. He walks in once a year with the blood of an animal into the Holy of Holies. You know that role he plays. He's chosen to be a high priest, to be that connection. He was supposed to be the one when the child was born. He was supposed to be the one who proclaimed the gift, the free life, as I'm doing it today. I'm by far not a high priest, but he was that one who brings the message to God and then takes the message of the people to God. What did he do? Matthew 26, verse 57, Then those who had seized Jesus led him to Caiaphas. This is where he was supposed to talk to the people and say, This is the Lamb of God. This is the gift of God. This is the light of the world. This is what he was supposed to do. But do you think he did that? No, no. In verse, uh, Matthew 26, verse 62, and the high priest stood up and he said, this is telling. I think if Caiaphas was here this morning, he will say, strike these words out of the Bible. I think he would have wanted these words to be stroken out. He said, have you no answer to make? And he talks to Jesus here. He said, what is it that these men testify against you? What a question. He should have known. 
that Jesus Christ is King of Kings and Lord of Lords? Now we ask Him, why? Because He's deceitful in His heart about His gift from God. Jesus answers in verse 63, He says, He remains silent and the high priest said to Him, I adjure you by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. He should have known. He should have not asked him, are you? He should have told the people, this is the Son of God. But you see, he's deceitful. Verse 64, Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power coming on the clouds of heaven. What an answer. He says, tell us that you are the Son of God. See, Jesus says, I'm the Son of Man. You know what the Son of Man is? You remember when we did the study in John? Son of Man means it's the link between heaven and earth. He's the one, like Jacob dreamt about the ladder at Bethel, where the angels came up and down. He's the one who is that ladder. He's the one who comes up and down from. He is God. He's Emmanuel, God with us. And then... Verse 65, the high priest tore his robes and said, He has added blasphemy. What further witness do we need? You have now heard his blasphemy. What is your judgment? And they said, He deserves death. We don't want this gift. Give it away. He's an unwanted gift. He tore his clothes. Oh, I think if he stands here this morning and face you all here this morning, he will be ashamed to stand here this morning with torn clothes. He tore it for the wrong reason. He gave the gift from heaven away. He didn't want this gift. It was an unwanted gift. Unwanted. Let's do one more. What about Pilate? This Roman governor, you remember they took him from Caiaphas to Pilate. Oh, here is a great opportunity. Because he's from the Romans, he could over, overwrite the whole thing. He could have vetoed the whole thing. In Matthew 27, 1, he says, When morning came and the chief priests and the elders, all of them who didn't want Jesus, took counsel against Jesus to put him to death. They bound him and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate, the governor. Can you see Pilate standing up here and he's the governor? He's in a very important person. But before him stands one of the most important in the ages of history, in the chasms of time, the gift of God. Jesus Christ himself was standing in front of him. Let me tell you, friends, that all of the authority of this world is dim against God's glory. Dim. Oh, but he's supposed to be the man now. In Matthew 27, they, they brought him there. In Matthew 27, verse 24, so when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and he washed his hands. That means I don't want to have anything to do with this gift. He had the opportunity to embrace Christ. He did it before the crowd. He says, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourself. But let me ask you the question. Is he innocent this morning? No, he's not. He's not. Why? Because he rejected the gift. He didn't bow as a governor to the king of kings. I hope you can see the message and theme coming out, dear friends. 
through this whole sermon, we see how all of the authorities of this world, all of the powers of this world comes to nothing. Nothing before the King of Kings. He washed his hands. You know why? Because there was a, in those days, there was a custom that this time of the year, the governor will come out and he will give a, a vile robber or a thief free. He, lay, he will let him go, but he will let the people choose. How could he dare to put Jesus Christ next to Barabbas and say, you choose who you want to set free? Who would the crowd choose? They would choose Barabbas. Because you see, the crowd didn't want the gift. Let's look at the crowd now. The crowds, in Matthew 27, verse 15, now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd one of the prisoners whom they wanted. And then uh, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release for you, Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? What a choice! You know what I would say? It's a no-brainer. You let Jesus go. He's innocent. But you've got this vile offender standing there. Verse 21, Matthew 27, 21. The governor again said to them, Which one of the two do you want me to release? <coughs> and they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? What shall I do with him? And they said, We don't want this gift. We've unwrapped the package. We look at the gift. And we are disappointed. They said, let him be crucified. And he said, what evil has he done? But they shouted the more, let him be crucified. You know what I think Pilate would do if he stands here this morning? He would have said to you and me, I've made a big mistake. A massive mistake. I let the wrong man go. And you know what he would have said? I've listened to the crowds instead of listening to God. Because Jesus was standing right in front of him. God with us. Oh, he didn't realize that, but he was standing right in front of him. He didn't listen to Jesus. He listened to the crowds. How many times do we do that? Oh, we would listen to what the people say, but not what God says. He rejected it. And then finally we find Jesus hanging on the cross. He is been crucified. You remember the two thieves on the cross? In Luke chapter 23, verse 32, the two others who were criminals were led away to put to death with Him. Three crosses they were. One in the middle, two on the side. And in verse 39, He says, one of the criminals who hanged railed at Him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourselves and us. You know what? He was so selfish. He was thinking about Himself. He didn't want the gift. He didn't want eternal life. <clears throat> but this is great news now. A glimmer of light comes out of one of those criminals. Verse 40 says, But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we have received the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me. When you come into your kingdom, and what did Jesus say? He said, where I, I am, you will be also. 
there's another one. Friends, let me just play this off one more time before you. If we can have that second robber standing here, the one who reviled Christ like so many do today, Christ is a swear word for them. Christ is somebody who can they mock. You know them, you work with them, you hear them. I feel sorry for them, I feel pity for them. I don't laugh at their jokes. Their jokes don't hurt me though, because they don't know the God that I serve. If they knew Him, they wouldn't have made those jokes. So if that robber would have stood here this morning and you could see the marks of the cross in his hands as well, because he died the same death as Jesus. He would have stood here this morning and he says, please do not make the same mistake that I did. Don't revile at him. Don't resist him. You see, friends, there were three crosses. They came to the first cross and they broke his legs. You know why they broke the legs? Because the way that they were crucified is so that your heart and your lungs gets blood in it and you have to push yourself up with your legs to get a breath of air and then you sack down again until you're uncomfortable and you push yourselves up. That's why they break the legs so that death comes quicker, faster. They killed the first man. They broke his legs. They broke the one on the other side. This, this one who reviled Christ, he would have stood here this morning and he said, I could still feel when they cracked my bones and I died without Christ. How terrible is that? But when they came to my Lord, they didn't break his legs. Why? Because he's already submitted to the cross. Think about that. Christ submitted to the cross, paid the debt that no one can pay. No one can pay. And all you need to do is to accept the gift. Accept the gift. If that robber would stand here this morning, he would say, please, do not wait until they break your bones before you submit to Christ. I think that would be his message. I think he would preach a whole sermon here to you about not getting your bones broken to submit to the cross. I think he would say, before trouble comes in your life, look at the good things that Christ is doing for you and submit to him. Accept the gift of God. That's the message this year that I want to bring over this time, over this season. Friends, people are still rejecting the gift of God today. They are still. Are you? You see how I see some people who reject the gift, although they are Christians. Christians reject the gift from time to time. Oh, they accepted Him as their Lord and Savior. But when it comes to a time where they have to choose between the things of the world and keeping with Christ, they so easily, so easily sell Christ out. You know, if the world comes to you as a child of God, and they go, are you one of those Christians? Oh, no, I'm not one of those happy clappies. You know, those, no, I'm not with them. You see, some, sometimes people, Christians, are like Peter, selling Christ out for just a little bit of social fun. That's cheaper than Judas Iscariot did it for. Think about that. Just not to be persecuted. People are selling Christ out. Not so. Not so us. Oh, there's a second part to the sermon which I might preach next year this time about those who accepted the gift from heaven. Who were those? Who were those? The disciples. 
joy in their hearts. Oh, I, I remember when Jesus was walking through a crowd, and, and you know what? A lady who had a problem all her life, she touched the rim of his clothing, and power went out from Jesus into her. She was seeking the gift. You, you remember Cornelius, that centurion? Oh, he was praying, but he didn't know who he was praying to. He just heard about this God of the Jews. He wasn't a Jew. And then God appeared to Peter upon the rooftop. You remember when the blanket came down with the unclean animals and, and God sent him to Cornelius. You know what I want to say? I want to say that Cornelius, for his household, the gift of God came and he dwelt in that house. So many good stories. But friend, it's terrible this time of the year that people see Christ as the unwanted gift. Let's pray for them. And let's think about that as we celebrate the birth of Christ. In Jesus' name, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to say this morning, Lord, that I want to accept and take the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift from heaven. Father, I do pray for people in this time. As me and my brother spoke this morning, Lord, this is a time of year where people spend time together. And for some, it's a good time. And for others, it's a difficult time. I pray, Lord, that you will use any circumstances to let the people know about you, the gift of life. Please come into our world, into our hearts, Lord. I pray for everybody. Father, I pray for these people in, in our church this morning. And I pray, Lord, over the next week and into the next year, let your mercy and grace be with everybody, Lord. The unwanted gift. Amen. So if anybody in this church has got unwanted gifts and you want to sell them, let me know. <laughs> I'm just joking. Praise the Lord. Let's all stand. We're going to sing Emmanuel.